Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to continue our series. And I actually had to run and recreate my slide, my initial first slide this morning, because I still had April on it. And uh, we we got that fixed, so I am now officially in the new month. Um, And your bulletins will reflect that next week. So we have been in in a series called Living an Empowered Life, uh, Living an Empowered Life, and we've talked about, we've talked about the basis of it in Acts 1 and Acts 2, and and how to, in order to live an empowered life, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uh, was sent to empower us to live and live the Christian life in in a way that we're supposed to, right? And the Holy Spirit serves many different roles, many different areas in our life. Uh, The Holy Spirit also provides and, and and build stuff in our life, like the fruits of the Spirit. We bear the fruits of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit uh, provides in our life, and He also gives you the gifts of the Spirit. So we have the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, both uh, both coming from being in relationship with the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit within you, empowering you. So we're talking about Acts because in the early church uh, was the first time that the Holy Spirit came in in that upper room and baptized and fell on an entire group of people. And then they spread out into the streets and began what we're continuing to do today, uh, which is to preach the gospel, right? And we're called to preach the gospel both if you're a preacher or if you're not, right? We, we just finished the gospel series right before we headed into this because I wanted you to have some, uh, some groundwork on what exactly we're talking about being empowered to do. So we spent uh, a whole month in the gospel series and now we flowed into uh, living an empowered life. Now, we're in part four today, uh, which is chapters four and five is what we're going to be going over. And these are basically the characteristics of the church. So would you just shout out for me really quick, who is the church? We are, right? This is not the characteristics of a building. This is not the characteristics of a campus. This is the characteristics of a group of people. So the church is a group of people who happens to meet in a building. So so we're a portion of the church who happen to own a building and a campus and meet here. And we're thankful for the air conditioning. And we're thankful for the carpet. And we're thankful for soft pews to sit in this morning. And we're thankful for awesome music. But if none of that existed, we would still be the church. Amen. If none of that existed, we would still be going out and having to do the gospel and we would still be gathering together. What we find in the, in the first part of Acts is a church that has been birthed and are in their infancy. Uh, so they have just started out. Uh, they needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They began to, to organize. They began to uh, grow. They be, all of this stuff began to happen in the first few chapters of Acts because the church is in its infancy stage. So the, the church is, is, is what Jesus had called us and designed us to be. So if you're in Acts chapter 4, go ahead and shout amen. Amen. If you're new to the church, new with us, uh, I am a talkback preacher. So if you like to talk back, I'd like you to talk back. Uh, maybe don't stand up and give a sermon in your seat, but, but if you want to shout amen, hallelujah, you're welcome to do that, all right? I also want to say, you, you might have said, well, who, who did pastor bring up this morning for communion? I just want to introduce Dr. Art and, and Linda Garcia, who are sitting back there. They are new to our church, but they're not new to ministry. And... Uh, 
They have served in many different roles. They have served as pastor. Uh, they've served in the church of God. They have served in the assemblies of God. Uh, Dr. Art has ran uh, some teen challenge locations. He's, he's done some other things. They have planted uh, churches. They've done a lot of stuff. And, and uh, I am blessed uh, to have them come and uh, be a part of this church and make it their home church. And I just wanted to give him an opportunity uh, for you guys uh, to hear him today. So I'm, I'm grateful for him. And I just wanted him to know that. So this morning, if you're in Acts chapter 4, let's start reading in verse 32. And it reads like this. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Say one heart. Say one soul. That sounds like a great song, doesn't it? Like a love song. Uh, one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witnesses to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. If they're not coming in in Inverness in the minute, they're coming in in Africa in the minute. And if they're not coming in in Africa in the minute, they're coming in in India in the minute, right? So all across the world, believers are coming into faith and coming into the family of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the church of Jesus Christ is not in trouble in these days. Even though there's persecution and even though there's people coming against the church and even though there's people saying that the Bible is an old book and it needs to be changed and there's even churches that are saying, well, we need to take another look at the Bible and see what it says because, you know, we need to line up correctly with culture. But can I tell you today that even with all of that happening, the church is continuing to grow. The church is continuing to thrive and demons are being cast out and blind eyes are being, uh, being able to see, right? And people are standing up and walking still in today's day and age and it's something that we can get excited about church right I, I wrote this morning on Facebook I was sitting at my desk and I thought you know what wisdom uh, can I throw out there this morning on Facebook or, or can I tell people what message I'm preaching and all that came to my spirit is man there is just something about a Sunday there's just something about a Sunday. I think it's a country song, but I don't care. I reclaimed it today, right? There's just something about a Sunday when we get to get together as brothers and sisters in Christ and share our love for Jesus and begin to sing and see miracles take place and see the Holy Spirit move across people's lives. And we get to gather together and there's something special about a Sunday. Amen? There's something special about it when the church gets to come together. Uh, that The enemy has, has created a a, a pandemic that has swept this nation uh, and swept the world and has caused issues in states like California and some northern states where churches cannot even meet. And can I tell you, it's the church trying to render or the enemy trying to render the church ineffective because there's something special that happens when we all gather together. There's something special that happens. Now listen, I love our live stream. I love having live stream. I love being able to reach people. And there's people who just cannot be here in person for one way or another. And we get to come in agreement with them and pray and believe. And, and, and they get to be a part of this service. And I love that. But there's something special when we're shoulder to shoulder in this room. And we're of one heart. And we're of one mind. 
and we're worshiping Jesus and we're singing and we're believing for miracles and we're praying for each other and, and we have let all the burdens that have sat on our shoulders all week and all the burdens that you have carried all week long get to roll off in that moment and especially if you're serving somebody else especially if you're praying for somebody else you get to leave all of that trash behind and just begin to flow in the Holy Spirit and you feel lighter you feel healthier you feel more whole because you're doing what you were called to do amen but it's not just Sunday church it's every single day of the week every day of the week living an empowered life is not just living an empowered Sunday living an empowered life is not just a powerful service Living an empowered life is getting up day by day by day and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me this morning? Holy Spirit, move in my life today, right? That's living an empowered life. So, so all these souls are being added to the kingdom daily. The church was experiencing a profound, uh, a profound dimension of unity. A profound dimension of unity. Because it had to. This was the infancy of the church. They couldn't argue over drapes and carpet. They couldn't argue uh, over, over what style communion cups to use. They couldn't argue over these things. They had better things to worry about because they were seeing a move of the Holy Spirit, right? So they were of one mind and unity in the moment. And it was a profound dimension of unity they were in. Profound, right? They were moving. Uh, now, everybody in this early church were all activists. Every one of them. Now, can I tell you today, we, we got some activists we got some activists today. Uh, there's, there's lots of Christians who are active in politics. There's lots of Christians who are active Republicans and Christians who are active Democrats and, 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 act, and active in the BLM and active in this movement and that movement. Can I tell you today uh, that, that the activists, what they were doing, they were spiritual activists during this time. They didn't pay attention to the culture and the mess and everything that was happening around them and who was leading and who was not leading. They didn't pay attention to any of that stuff. They were spiritual activists and they were in line with one man. That was Jesus Christ. They were in line with what he said and they were moving with what he said amen and they were focused they were of one mind and one spirit and one heart and they were focused on Jesus Christ that was it they were activists but they were focused in the right direction so one heart and one soul equals being of the same mind being of the same will right they thought alike they wanted to see the same things happen they were they were all in it together that means nobody was showing up and just and just sitting with the arms crossed everybody was working Everybody was moving. Everybody was doing something. The second part is they were generous. They were generous. Can I, can I just tell you, church, thank you for being a generous church. You guys are generous. And in a pandemic, our giving was up 30% because you are a generous church. And God has called us here to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the building for a season. And then once that season is up, God has called us to do some amazing things after that. Like we're good. I, I believe it. I see it in my spirit. I know that it's coming, but we got to get this done first, right? So, so during a pandemic, we replaced about $18,000 worth of air conditioning. During a pandemic, we replaced $24,000 worth of roofing that needed to be done. During a pandemic, we painted multiple walls and changed out carpet and remodeled offices and remodeled classrooms. During a pandemic, we saw God move in miraculous 
generous ways because can I tell you today that when you're generous, money continues to flow. When you're generous, God will continue to believe uh, to, 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 to pour provision into your life. When you're generous, it happens. And we see it in the early church. They were a generous church. Verse 34 says this, there were none among them who lacked. Church, I long to see that. I long to continue to move in one mind and one spirit and, and, and be with a church body right here in Inverness and have none among us who lack. Because we flow in what God has called us to do. Now listen, there is a welfare system in our country, right? And listen, thank God for it. Some people need it, right? There's a welfare system in our country, but there's a difference between a welfare system uh, ran by a government and God taking care of his people, right? There's a difference there. The welfare system by the government has no heart behind it, right? And it has a limit to it. Uh, God providing for his children has no limit. God providing for his children has, has, no, uh, has, has all the heart behind it. Right? God providing for his kids is because he loves them. Right? So they were generous and they were being provided for. And some people say, well, isn't that a form of socialism back then? You know, wasn't that a form of... No, it wasn't socialism or communism. Because socialism or communism is, is forced by the government. These were people saying, oh, there's a need. God laid generosity on my heart. I'm going to meet that need. And then guess what happens? God resupplies what you had just laid out. Right? Because there's a cycle and there's a flow in that generosity. So that generosity begins to happen. I love during the pandemic, I'm a part of, a, of an AG lead pastor's Facebook page. And throughout the, the pandemic, there were, there were pastors and people who were of, of some churches who were struggling and having a rough time, maybe in the areas that were shut down. And they were like, I, I have a need. I have a bill in the church that hasn't been met. And can I tell you, every time you had to get in there quick to meet that need for that church because there was multiple pastors going, how much you need? I got it. How much? Send me your address. Private message me your address and we'll take care of it right now. There was one particular case where there was a church and I'm telling you this not because of me, because of we and what we were able to do. Uh, listen, it's something small, but to that pastor it wasn't small. There was a pastor of a small church whose, whose projector went out and he couldn't afford to buy a new projector for the church. And he went on there and said, does anybody have a spare projector that I could have? Can I tell you church, we had a spare projector laying in a closet for two years that came out of the youth building that we'd weren't using. We, we as a church were generous and, back, and packed that up and took it to UPS and shipped it to this pastor so that he could have a projector, right? There's all kinds of things. Right before we moved into this pandemic, and this is how God works, right before we came into the pandemic, uh, we had a, a, somebody that has a generous heart in this church that came up to me and said, man, what do we need to do to upgrade our live stream? What do we need to do? And I, I told them what we need to do. And they stroked a check for it. And we ordered and we upgraded our live stream. And you know what happened? We had all new equipment coming into a pandemic to be able to record, to be able to do what we needed to do, right? And, and then this is what happened next. There's pastors in the area, in the county, who had nothing for live stream. But guess what we had? We had our old equipment. So when there was a church that wasn't able to live stream, we packed that up. Uh, me and, and a couple of the guys packed that up in the truck, went over there, set it all up for them, linked it in, and helped them get online so that they could live stream to their people during the pandemic, right? That is the move of the church. 
But it's not supposed to be just pastor to pastor, and it's not supposed to be just church to church, but it's supposed to be Christian to Christian, right? In our generosity, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, He will always provide an opportunity for you to be generous. And if we pick up on that opportunity, He will always resupply what you lay out. And many times, He'll give you more than you laid out. Amen? God will do that. God will do it. So, so if we as a church are generous as the Lord asks us to be, we can meet the needs of anybody He places in our path. If we as a church continue to be generous, and as we come out of this, uh, this restoration program, we'll have the opportunity to be as generous as, as the God wants us to be in our city, in our county, in our area. We'll be able to do some amazing things, and I see it happening. I see, I see it coming. I already see it. How many of you know if, he'll get it, if, he'll get, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you? Amen. If he can get it through you, then he'll get it to you. Uh, now, there's some people that have a spiritual gift of giving. There's some people that just carry that spiritual gift. Romans 12, 8 says to give with simplicity. How do you know that they have the spiritual gift of giving? Because they give and they don't post it on Facebook. <laughs> Pretend this is a phone for a second. Oh, there, there's a homeless man. Man, what, what you need? Oh, a, a double cheeseburger? Hold on. Hey, y'all. I'm just going to wait a few minutes till everybody joins me. God's good. All the time. Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah, hey, hey, you. Hey, you. Good to see you. Yep. Hey, good to see you. Hey, listen, so there's this homeless guy over here, and God is so good. He's laid it on my heart to buy him a 99-cent cheeseburger, and I'm going to do that right now. Right? Hey, can I get this cheeseburger? Thank you. And hey, man, yeah, here you go. Hey, yep. That, so what's your name? Jeremiah. Hey, now, listen, y'all. Y'all pray for Jeremiah, because today I fed him, and I brought him a burger, and now he can eat. Uh, but just pray that somebody, God sends somebody as generous as I am tomorrow, okay? Hey, Jeremiah, let's get it. Let's get a selfie. Okay, I'm going to put that up on Instagram. That would be more funny if it wasn't true. Oh, I'm going on this mission trip. Let me get around all these disadvantaged kids. Okay, take a picture. Oh, not that one, man. I look, I look a little chunky in that one. Take, take it from this angle. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We're going to post that. If you have the spiritual gift of giving, nobody usually knows you did it. It's between you and God, right? There's no fanfare. But people who have the spiritual gift of giving, money continues to flow into their life. Because God knows, uh, God knows that, that if it flows it into their lives, they're going to do things for the kingdom with it. Right? And those are spiritual gifts. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has the capacity to give on large levels, but everybody has the capacity to be generous. Yeah. Amen. And God has called us as a church, as believers, to be generous. And that, and that generosity does amazing things because it blows apart the enemy's plan. Right? When, when we see generous Christians meeting people's needs, it blows apart the enemy's, uh, the enemy's agenda that he wants to put out there that Christians are no good or Christians are selfish or Christians are hypocrites, right? It, it blows that apart. So the third uh, characteristic of the church is this, operating in great power. 
They were operating in great power. The, the Greek word for the power there is dunamis. Look at somebody and say dunamis. <laughs> say it with your best deep voice, dunamis. <laughs> Some of y'all were killing it. That was good. Dunamis means in great strength, power, and energy. Jessica, come here. Say dunamis. Dunamis. No, say, say it as deep as you can get it. Oh. Dunamis. <laughs> so the main reason I called my wife up is because y'all ever heard uh, dunamis is actually the, the uh, core word that, that where we get dynamite from, right? In our language today, have you ever heard dynamite comes in small packages? I know that because I married one. <laughs> she will blow up on me in a minute. No, no I'm just, you got to be careful, man. It's like, woo. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm totally kidding. But she, she is powerful, that little lady, right? She, she's full of dunamis. So, so the, the, the root word for dunamis is dynamite, but it, but it means strength, power, and energy in the church, right? The dunamis in us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, allows for great transformations in our lives. It allows us, when we fall, to be able to stand back up. It allows us to be able to pray for somebody and see them healed. It allows for us to see transformation, to see somebody who was addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol or addicted to something in their life. It, it, it allows us to see them break free uh, from something that, that they say is unbreakable, right? That, that dunamis of the Holy Spirit brings great power. So, so the church started off extremely strong, right? Relationships always start off strong. If you know that, say amen. First couple of months, you dating somebody, man, you're in heaven. Everything is good, right? First couple of months, you're dating, you're like, woo, he can do no wrong. Like, he, he is magical. Like, like, God just placed him in my life. Woo. God, you're good. Oh, don't bug me. I'm thinking, God, you're good. Right? And that's how you are when you come into the first couple of months. And then uh, about two years later, you're like, God, take his life. <laughs> God, strike him dead. Right? In these, in these moments, right, in, in relationships, they always start off strong. And, and the church was, was no different. Right? We started off strong and we're doing amazing things, super generous, walking in power and authority, right, of one, of one heart and one mind. And then all of a sudden, uh, the church uh, hit this snag. They hit this moment. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, what was it? What, what did they hit? What was the snag? Uh, was it jail time? Because Paul, kept, or not Paul, but uh, Peter kept getting thrown in jail. Was it jail time? No, it wasn't jail time. Uh, they were kind of used to that. Was it, was it persecution? Was it the persecution of the Christians? Is that what they hit the snag on? No, it wasn't persecution. Because persecution always grows the church. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, d diminish the church. Right, so it wasn't persecution. What was it then? What, was it, what snag did the early church hit? It was inauthenticity and sin in the ranks. It was inauthenticity and sin. Suddenly, in a church that was powerful and moving and growing, the enemy got a foothold. The enemy all of a sudden got a grip. The enemy all of a sudden grabbed a hold of something. Go ahead and turn to Acts 5 with me, or you're probably right there already if you haven't closed your word. But Acts 5, starting in verse 1, says this. Uh, we leave off in the last verse, which it said that Barnabas, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet to be used by the apostles to meet the needs of the church in that community. That's what it was for. And then we see a certain word in verse 1, and it says, but... 
but. How many of you know when you see a but in a sense, it's usually not good, right? But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the lamb for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it still not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. Wow. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Now listen, we're preaching through Acts. And this is a tough scripture to preach on. I'm not going to stand up here and say, man, yeah, I got no problems preaching about this. Now this is a tough scripture to preach on. If you can't tell me when you read your word, if certain things don't hit you and go, oh, man, then you're fibbing, right? Because sometimes we, we hit stuff, man, it, ah, it hurts a little bit. This was a moment, it was tough, and, and I ain't, I ain't going to kid you, man. I, I considered skipping this whole section. I said, I'll just move on to, to verse 12, and we'll go on to when they were in prison and talk about that, right? We'll, we'll talk about what the Lord did in some miraculous way that brought them out, right? I thought about skipping it, but then the Lord checked me and said, if you're preaching through Acts, this is a, this is a major area to skip. So I, so I continued in this, and I went to, I went to my Craigs, right? I got, I got two Craigs in my life who are, who are both like uh, uh, kind of scholars that I love, that I love to talk about the gospel with. Uh, one is Craig Jones, the other one's Craig Avery, and I, I, I went to my Craigs. And I said, guys, I'm preaching on this scripture. I've already written my message. I need to know, I need to know what you guys think about this, about this portion of scripture. Uh, Craig Avery sent me texts about this long. Right, and continued throughout the day. I kept getting stuff from him. And then I got an email from Craig Jones later that evening. And as I went through and prayed and read what these two men of God that are, that are close to me in my life thought about this portion of scripture, that it lined up with what I had already written. Right? So, so, so I began to move forward in preaching this. Uh, but I want you to know that it's tough. This is a tough scripture. If you can imagine for the moment in the early church, Barnabas selling property and walking in and laying the proceeds at the altar. If you can imagine that for a moment, right? And everybody in the church worshiping and they see that moment and, and hallelujah, God is so good and God has met these needs. Uh, Barnabas has sold his property, been obedient to the Holy Spirit, brought it in and laid it at the altar. And it's going to meet all these needs in the church, right? And if you can imagine everybody feeling that way in the moment, he was probably honored for his gift, Right? He was admired for his obedience. He was loved for his love of God. Although that wasn't what Barnabas was seeking. Barnabas was, had the correct heart and he was just being obedient to what the Holy Spirit had asked him to do. Maybe Ananias and his wife saw Barnabas give and saw the blessing and the honor and the admiration. And maybe they coveted that. And they wanted that. So they decided they might try to copy that 
in the moment. And when it came down to it, they actually lacked the faith and lacked the character to do what they had started. So when it came down to the moment, they was needed for them to follow through and do what the Holy Spirit had asked them to do. Uh, can I tell you today, it wasn't the giving or lack of giving that was the sin. I want to I make that clear today. It wasn't the giving or the lack of giving that, that makes this a sin. Because some preachers will, will preach this passage and say, you better give your tithe. You better give, you better give your tithe or God going to strike you dead right there. No, man, that ain't what this is about. Right? So in this moment, it wasn't the giving or the lack of giving that was a sin. It was pretending to be something that they weren't. It was walking in inauthenticity that was the sin. It was being deceitful and thinking that they could walk in deceit and lying and trick not only the men, but trick the Holy Spirit into still blessing them, even though they weren't fully obedient. So, so in this moment, we, we see this. Can I tell you today that God takes sin seriously? I, I think that if we saw an Ananias get struck down dead in the church today, that we might take sin a little more seriously. Right? But, but in this moment, this is just an indicator of how serious that God takes sin. And I... I am a grace preacher. I preach love. I preach grace. But I wouldn't be any kind of preacher at all if I didn't tell you how seriously God takes sin. And how we have to, we have to take it that seriously too. How serious does God take sin? So serious that he sent his only begotten son to be ripped apart and shredded in his flesh and beaten and spit upon, and hated, and drug up a hill to a cross, and thrown down on rough wood, and had nails driven through his feet and hands, and lifted that cross and placed it in a hole, so that the sins of you and me could be forgiven. That's how serious that God takes sin. And that's how serious we've got to take sin. It doesn't mean that we don't fall into it from time to time. What it means is that we repent and we get it right immediately. Right? We, we, we take it before God immediately. This couple pretended to do something for God that they actually weren't doing. They certainly believed in Jesus. They certainly had good intentions at first. I believe they probably went to heaven. I believe that they died in, I don't think they were sentenced to hell for, for, I believe that they believed in Jesus, they were serving Jesus, they were following Jesus, and they were punished in their body, but I, I believe that they went to heaven, right? I believe, because if you look at this scripture, you say, well, where is the, where's the grace of God, and where's the forgiveness of God, and where's the 70 times 7? Uh, maybe the grace and the forgiveness of God in that moment was that they got struck down and lost their life for lying to the Holy Spirit, but they still got to enter heaven. Right? Maybe that's the grace. And we don't know short of going to heaven ourselves and finding out. Right? But that's just my thoughts in the moment. So God possibly in this moment removed them before their sin could contaminate the early church's purity. That in this moment the early church had to be so strong 
and had to be so ready to, to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the obedience to the Holy Spirit uh, that anything that anybody that got in the way that allowed Satan to have uh, uh, capture their heart in the moment had to be removed in order for the church to continue to do what it was called to do. And in the moment, God said, I don't play. God requires us to be authentic Christians. And, and I say that with all heart today, knowing that everybody in this room, including me up behind this pulpit, are made of nothing but dust and have the opportunity and availability and often do fall short. We often do. But in this moment, we've got to make sure that we never make it light. That we never make it light. That when we fall short, we, 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 we take it with such seriousness, the same seriousness that God takes it. Right? To make sure that it never happens again. That, that we don't be inauthentic Christians in a way that we live a certain way in public and another way in private. Or inauthentic Christians in such a way that, we, that we're one way in church on Sunday and another way at work on Monday. Right? That we never, never spit in the face of Jesus and be inauthentic in our Christianity. But every day we, we, we love him to the best of our ability. We follow him to the best of our ability. And those times that we fall, we get back up. Right? So we look at the story and we look at history. We see that King David sinned horribly. Yet God called him a man after his own heart. He sinned horribly. He committed horrendous sins. And God called him a man after his own heart. Here was that process. David sinned. Then David repented, miserable before God, and hated his own sin. See, this is where we fall short sometimes today. We sin and we're miserable before God and we want to be forgiven, but we fall short of, 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 of quite hating the sin that caused us to fall. We've got to hate the sin that caused us to fall so much that we want nothing else to do with it. As a Christian, if we're living in habitual sin and doing the same things over and over and over again, I'm sorry, but you don't hate the sin the way that God does. If you find yourself falling in the same way, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to make you feel the same way about that sin that God does. Right? And then we begin to move differently. Then David asked God to search his heart for any other hidden sin that might be lurking and help him to dispose of it. So David not only repented for that sin, but also many times asked God, Lord, search me. If there's any other capacity in me to fall in this way again, in any other way, then search me and make it right. Get it out of me right now, God, because I don't ever want to feel what I just felt. I don't ever want to go through that again. Lord, I hate that sin and I hate any other thing within me that might cause me to fall in, in, a, in a similar way. So Lord, search me and take it out. David uh, got down before God and, and changed everything in that moment. Not just that particular sin, which was sexual sin and murder. Not just that, but he asked him to cleanse him of anything else that is in the way. And that's what we're called to do as Christians today. We're called to come before God, come before the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit points something out in your life, we take immediate action. Because if we listen to the Holy Spirit the first time, it'll save you from having to repent dramatically the next time. Right? 
So David found grace not because he deserved it, but can I tell you today that he found grace because of the posture of his heart. It was the posture of his heart. The posture of our heart before God is the key to our authenticity as Christians. It's not that you never fail. It's not that you never mess up. That's impossible. It's not that you don't make mistakes. It's what's the posture of your heart in the light of the moment. Is it like David's or is it like Ananias? Is it continuing to lie once you've been caught? Or is it like David's and laying it all out at the feet? So this was a supernatural event in Acts that we don't want to see repeated today. I told you guys I want to see all the supernatural. I don't want to see this one. <laughs> Lord, you can keep that one. I don't want to see anybody struck dead for their sin. I don't want to see that. So Ananias and Sapphira lied about giving the money, tried to hide the money from God, and they lost their lives because of it. So we're going to take up an offering. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. We're not. I'm, I'm just, just lightening the mood. That's all. <laughs> Three of y'all went. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we see... On one hand, the temple and the leaders of the temple, like we talked about in the beginning of this message. On the other hand, we see the church and the structure of the church and how God called them to be in direct contrast. But as the church was called to be in direct contrast at the temple, backroom deals and bribes like, like what happened uh, with Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver with Judas, all that kind of stuff was happening after hours and illegal stuff and unlawful stuff and unloving stuff and backroom deals and bribes and hiding money that was associated with the temple. That wasn't associated with the church. And the first sign that we see that devilishness associated with the church God swiftly moves and he swiftly acts. We see this in scripture, but I want you to know today, this isn't just an outlier. If it were just an outlier in scripture, I would be, I'd be tempted to skip it and move on to the other parts and keep flowing through acts and hallelujah, praise God. But this isn't just an outlier. We see the same thing happen in Joshua chapter 7. Israelites had crossed over into the promised land, began the battle of taking the land back from the enemies who now inhabited it. And in the first battle of Ai, Ai, they won. The second battle, they lost horribly. In prayer, God revealed to Joshua that there was sin in the camp. Achan and his family had taken the spoils of war that were to be set apart for God and stole them and hid them in the camp. He took expensive clothing, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. And he buried them and hid them. Joshua and his army, once enlightened to that fact, by God, dealt with them swiftly. Achan and his family died for that act. Then Israel went back to war. And then they won. So in the same way, in the early church, the devil had tried to get a foothold as the church was just forming. In the same way, with, with behind-the-scenes hidden sin, uh, there was danger for the Israelites being able to walk into the promise. 
And then we see it happen again in Acts where there was a danger as the church was forming and beginning to do supernatural miracles and spread the name of Jesus and let Jesus be set apart from the rest that there was hidden sin again. So God dealt with it the first time. God dealt with it the second time. So if we see these things in our life as we talk about Acts 4 and 5, there's a major question that we have to ask ourselves today. Major question. Do we still fear God? We may have been saved 40 years. May have been saved 40 months. You may have been saved four weeks. But as you read your scripture, as you spend time in prayer, as you read the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, you come into the story of the church and the gospel in the New Testament. Do you have a proper fear of God? Do you, do you fear him still? Listen, God is love, and I, I preach about that all the time. And God is merciful, and God is compassionate, and I preach about that all the time. God is also holy, and God is just, and God hates sin. And if there's something in your life that the Holy Spirit is talking to and asking you to dispose of, today's the day. Don't let it rest any longer. Don't let it cause you to not be in contrast with the side that the enemy is on. Don't let it cause you to miss what God has for you in your life. As your pastor this morning, what I want to see for you, and when I say you, each and every one of you in this room, is I want to see you operating in an empowered life empowered by the Holy Spirit, prospered, that even when you fall into trouble, you know who to call on and it doesn't phase you. And when you listen to the, and when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you listen swiftly and you act on it. And if we do that as a church body, we're going to see more and more of the miraculous that we talked about at the beginning of this message. We're going to see more and more of not just the miraculous around this altar, but the miraculous in your own lives. We're going to see people who are sitting in this room who have dealt with depression for years see it lifted. We're going to see people who are sitting in this room dealing with sickness and illness for years see it healed. We're going to see people uh, who have struggled in their relationship with God for years and you've been in and out and in and out and in and out. And we're going to see you suddenly begin to walk in a new authority and power because the Holy Spirit has emboldened you and you've lined up your life with him. So in closing today, Pastor Brad, help me out. We the church must be of one heart and one mind. We must be generous. We must be authentic Christians who shun sin. Hear me, not authentic Christians who don't sin. I'm not asking you to be impossible. I'm asking you to shun sin. And when you fall, get back up immediately. Repent. And ask God to move in your life. And then ask God to pull out anything else that may cause you to stumble in the same way. That you move forward. So authentic Christians who shun sin. 
and then a church who operates in dunamis power dunamis power of the Holy Spirit will you stand with me today As we close, if there's anybody in this room today that you know throughout this throughout this sermon or throughout this series or throughout worship today or while we were gathered around the altar, you saw God moving and you saw the miracles happening and you just felt a pull from the Lord. You felt God tug on your heart and you've never given your life to him. I want to ask you today to do something bold. And I want to ask you to just shoot your arm up right where you're at. If you need to give your life to Christ today, today's the day. Is there anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, but today's the day and you need to get your life right? If that's you, just shoot your hand up. Anybody in this room? Okay. This is the next thing. If you're in this room today, boldly, nobody knows what it is. But you recognize there's something in your life that you haven't been obedient to the Holy Spirit about. And today you're saying, Lord, I want to line up with you. I want to get that right. If that's you in this place, just shoot your hand up. And I think most of us probably can in this room. There's a lot of hands. Listen, I want to pray over you. But as I pray over you today, this is what, this is what the Lord requires of you. Not that Pastor Steve lay hands on you and dispose of this, but that you go home and you get on your knees and you get in your closet or your car or wherever you get alone with God and you begin to repent for the ways that you haven't listened to him. And then you ask him to to teach you to hate the things that get you off track with him. And you begin to walk in that new power and authority. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, as we read your scripture, and some of these scriptures are tough, Lord. They're tough. But we understand that you are a holy God. You're loving, but you're holy. And today, Father, we just lay down our lives. Those of us who who lifted our hand today and said, Lord, we need to give you the things that have been uh, setting us aside, the things that have kept us from growing, the things that have kept us from operating in dunamis power. Father, we give those things to you today. Lord, we ask that you swiftly remove those things from our life the way you removed Ananias from the church. Father, that you would take the things that caused me to stumble. Father, help me to shun And help me to run away from the things that keep me down. Father, give us strength today to walk in power and authority. Father, I pray over every household in this room, Lord, that you would just bless it. Bless them, Father. Holy Spirit, that you would move in the households that are are here today. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to talk to and direct and guide everyone who's, who's in this room today. That they would do what you ask. And walk in power like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise in this place?
I'm blown away <laughs> with what God is doing. And I hope that you are too. God bless you guys. We're 12 minutes over. So you'll beat the crowd to the restaurant or maybe not. Love you guys. Wednesday night, we're back to normal service. So we'll see you then. God bless.